0: All right, everybody. We have made it to Friday. It is Friday, February third. You're listening to the Mo News podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu,
1: and I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines, so you don't have to. Jill, this is going to feel like Groundhog Day, but can we talk about it for a second? <laughs> Literally.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I just want to note, since we spent a, a moment on it in yesterday's podcast, that there is a split verdict that we all need to now watch for the next six weeks. Staten Island Chuck says there will be an early spring. Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog down in Pennsylvania, says there will be six more weeks of winter. What do we make of that?
1: As we discussed yesterday, Staten Island Chuck has the better record, right? 80% accuracy. I'm going to go with him.
0: Yeah, Phil Phil, and all the variations of Phil over the last 130 years, 38%, less than half. Though I was hearing from people across the country yesterday, it turns out there's like 100 something towns that do this. So there's literally just a, there is... <laughs> There's a groundhog, like in almost every state, the Canadians have their groundhogs. And was like, my groundhog says this. And I was like, we can only track two, Chuck and Phil. So we will track that.
1: All right, time now for the headlines. A Chinese military balloon is floating somewhere over the United States right now. And the government's debating what to do about it. On Capitol Hill, Congress votes to boot Congresswoman Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee, what this means for the future of committee assignments. An update on the brutal weather about to hit the northern part of the country. Donald Trump says if he does not win the Republican nomination for president, he may not support the candidate who does. Inflation may be cooling, but not everywhere. We'll take a look at the priciest cities in the country. Grammys 2023 is a rematch. Adele versus Beyonce. Mosh has on this day. It's
0: the day the music died, Jill. We'll talk about Richie Valance and Buddy Holly.
1: And a look at what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. Okay, let's start with this mystery balloon over the United States. We learned late Thursday that the U.S. military has been monitoring a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon that's been hovering over the northern U.S. for the past few days. Military and defense leaders have discussed shooting it out of the sky The high-altitude balloon was spotted over Billings, Montana on Wednesday, some videos circulating on social media of it. A senior defense official told several media outlets that the balloon is still over the United States, but declined to say where it is at this point. Senior U.S. military leaders reviewed the threat of what they believe is a Chinese stratospheric balloon and possible response options Ultimately, they have decided not to recommend taking it out with a missile. Their main concern is about the potential risk to people on the ground from the possible debris field. Leaders at the Pentagon reportedly presented the options to President Biden on Wednesday. The official said the U.S. military will continue to monitor it closely and will keep the option of taking out the balloon on the table They believe the balloon does not pose a threat to civil aviation because of its altitude up in the stratosphere.
0: Yeah, so most commercial aircraft, I had to Google this, Jill, fly to a max about eight miles up. This balloon is way above that. Apparently, the stratosphere goes to 31 miles above the ground. Apparently, there was a window while the balloon was closer to the ground when it was over Montana where they could have taken it down. NORAD apparently sent aircraft, including F-22 Raptors from the nearby Air Force Base, There were also uh, airborne early warning aircraft AWACS up there. So this was a whole thing going down on Wednesday that went up to the president. The U.S. military flights on Wednesday actually prompted a ground stop at the airport. Air traffic controllers were only told at the time that it was a special military mission until we learned later on Thursday Uh, the details here of the balloon. So the belief at the Pentagon, Jill, is that the balloon is now so far up, it is of, quote, limited additive value beyond what the Chinese can gather from their already existing satellites. Uh, We should note Montana is home to a number of sensitive military sites, including one of our nation's three nuclear missile silo fields, that's over at Malmstrom Air Force Base, and we should note, because there have been some questions about this, uh, on how the U.S. knows this is a Chinese balloon. Apparently, the U.S. was tracking this over Alaska and then Canada. So they have a pretty good sense that it's uh, Chinese. And apparently, they've communicated to the Chinese that we're aware of this through multiple channels. It's unclear if the Chinese have responded or cop to it.
1: Moshe, the balloon sighting comes just days before U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is set to travel to Beijing to meet Chinese officials. It's unknown at this point if that trip is going to actually go forward. And it also comes as the U.S. has secured access to four additional military bases in the Philippines. That is a strategic location to monitor the Chinese in the South China Sea and around Taiwan.
0: Yeah, that's the big concern. At some point in the next few years, uh, the question is whether the Chinese will invade Taiwan. That's been um, our big concern. We've been talking about it over the course of the past year on this podcast. Um, And obviously the U.S. has already been arming the Taiwanese, but also wants to have strategic locations around the region. This uh, part of the Philippines, where allegedly they could put a base is the closest thing to the island of Taiwan, if you don't count China. China criticized the agreement yesterday, saying the U.S. is escalating regional tension. That's par for the course here, uh, and comes despite the fact that the Chinese have been doing a whole bunch of military exercises around Taiwan. And this all comes, Jill, as the CIA director gave a speech this week over Georgetown University in D.C., saying that China remains the biggest geopolitical challenge right now for the U.S. and the biggest CIA priority.
1: Now to U.S. politics and what some are calling political retribution. Representative Ilhan Omar, the progressive Democrat from Minnesota, was kicked off the House Foreign Affairs Committee by Republicans in a 218 to 211 party line vote. One Republican voted present. Republicans have been eager to target certain Democrats in their committee assignments ever since in the last term, Democrats ousted Representatives Paul Gosser and Marjorie Taylor Greene from their committees after both Congress members endorsed violence against Democrats. So last week, the new speaker, Kevin McCarthy, unilaterally removed Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, Democrats both from California, from the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, The one key difference for that is that membership is appointed. If you want to get somebody off the Foreign Affairs Committee, it does require a full vote from Congress. McCarthy has said that they wanted Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee because of her, quote, repeated anti-Semitic and anti-American remarks throughout her time as a member of the House. The resolution specifically condemns Omar for several statements through the years, including comparing the U.S. military to the Taliban and Hamas, saying that America supports Israel because of money and once summarized 9-11 as a day that, quote, some people did something. She's received condemnation from fellow Dems, including Nancy Pelosi, for some of those comments and has apologized and attempted to clarify some of them as well
0: yeah but those clarifications and apologies uh, weren't enough for Republicans they want her off foreign affairs though they did say Kevin McCarthy did say that she is okay to serve on other committees Omar did not go down without a fight though before the vote she gave in a speech on the floor of the house let's take a listen to a bit of it
1: and my leadership and voice will not be diminished if I am not on this committee for one term My voice will get louder and stronger, and my leadership will be celebrated around the world as it has been. So take your vote or not, I am here to stay, and I am here to be a voice against harms around the world and advocate for a better world.
0: You can hear she received applause there from her fellow Democrats. A little background on Omar. She's a refugee from Somalia. She's one of two Muslim women right now in the US House of Representatives. She claims that this is all about her race and anti Muslim sentiment. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, a fellow uh, progressive member of the, the far left caucus that they call the Squad also spoke out saying that this is hypocritical of Republicans, especially since Marjorie Taylor Greene is back on committees after her comments in the last Congress of Jewish conspiracies, including space lasers, and a, and a whole bunch of theories, which is one of the reasons Democrats have kicked Marjorie off, saying, if you really care about anti-Semitism, uh, why is Taylor Greene still on committees? Several Democratic Jewish members stood alongside Omar. They have been critical of some of her comments in the past, but don't believe that the comments were so egregious that she deserves to be kicked off the committee. Many of them, like uh, similar to AOC, pointing to hypocrisy, xenophobia, and racism by Republicans, for targeting her. Republicans, for their part, say it's not about race, pointing to the fact, as you mentioned, Jill, they've already kicked two white men off of the Intelligence Committee, Democrats Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell. Uh, Going
1: forward, a lot of Republicans say they do want to make sure that there is an actual process to removing members from committees, because for many, it seems like Democrats started this in the last term, and now Republicans are, are trying to kind of get some sort of retaliation. So Congressman Ken Buck of Colorado, he said that he would support the measure to remove Omar from that committee because McCarthy seemed willing to work on a new rule that would make it clearer and more difficult to remove people from committees in the future. McCarthy has said that he wants to work with Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries to make sure that either party isn't just removing members of the opposing party because they don't like them.
0: Yeah, this is a a new tit-for-tat thing, and this is always why, um, you know, there are certain members of the party that tell their parties to be careful when they're in power about what they do, especially if they do something new, because the other side will eventually take power again and do it back to them. Keep in mind, committees are important in Congress. Foreign Affairs is a pretty powerful committee that determines, you know, how much foreign aid we give, holds a number of important hearings, and committee assignments are important because, you know, while Elon Omar will remain a member of Congress here— um what committees you are on uh dictate how much power you have and in some of those committees make determinations on hundreds of billions of dollars that are spent every year all right we have a lot more news to get to but we have a couple new advertisers this week let's start with apostrophe i'd like to introduce you to our newest mo news sponsor apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team that allows you to get customized treatment for your unique skin. It's very convenient. Essentially, Apostrophe offers virtual dermatology consultations, everything from acne to dark spots. As we know, sometimes getting a dermatology appointment can take a while. I know I have found that. Apostrophe is simple to use and can be done from home. You answer several questions, snap a few selfies, and then a board-certified dermatologist will create an initial customized treatment plan for you and we have a special deal for the mo news audience you can get your first visit for only five dollars at apostrophe.com slash mo news you can use the code here mo news to get the discount and you'll also receive a discount on medication again to get started just go to apostrophe.com slash mo news apostrophe dot com slash mo news to get started use the mo news code and your first visit only five dollars I'm really excited about our next partner here, Blinkist. I have been using the Blinkist app for more than a year now as my way to get quick summaries of a book that I haven't gotten around to, but I'm looking to just get the digest of or get refreshers on books I read years ago. And I'm just looking to get a reminder of some quick bullet points. Essentially, Blinkist, B L I N K I S T, like in a blink, Blinkist offers audio cliffs notes. It allows you to listen to a book summary in 15 minutes. I like to listen to them on my commutes or while working out. They offer more than 5,500 books and podcast summaries now, a range of topics, politics, communication, investing, parenting leadership you know you often see those books especially those self-improvement books and you want to get around to them well blinkist provides a curated collection expert-led guides and again the digest in just 15 minutes helps you grow a little bit every day right now blinkist has a special offer for the mo news audience head over to blinkist.com slash mo news to start a seven-day free trial and get 25 percent off of a blinkist premium membership again that's blinkist b-l-i-n-k-i-s-t.com slash monews to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial.
1: Okay, time now for the speed read. An update to the story we mentioned yesterday about this really dangerous weather sweeping the country. From USA Today, the southern U.S., including Texas, is slowly starting to defrost after a wicked winter weather system. The death tolls climb to 10 after four days of sleet, ice, and snow. Half a million people are without power in four states.
0: The power authorities in Texas have been quick to say, though, Jill, that unlike the infamous 2021 winter storm when the state's power grid nearly collapsed during that freeze that killed hundreds of Texans, this time is different. These outages this time have to do with downed power lines due to the ice Not a problem with the overall grid. Regardless, still an issue for hundreds of thousands of Texans and people across the region. They don't care why the power is gone. They just want the power to be back. Now it's the northern state's turn for the brutal weather. In the next 24 hours, temps could fall below minus 50 in some areas of New England. It's going to be a huge temperature swing. So beware, Uh, keep those faucets dripping water so your pipes don't freeze and blow. You're going to see a 40 to 50 degree drop. Uh, over the next 24 hours. Travel could get tough in upstate New York where some lake effect snow is expected. Uh, wind chills could be negative 10 in New York, negative 30 in Boston. And as we mentioned, negative 50 to 60 up in Maine.
1: Yikes. Uh, are you going skiing this weekend?
0: <laughs> no, no. In fact, some ski resorts up there are like it's too cold to let people outside. So they've uh, shut things down. We're looking to head into warm weather. Jill, I'll keep you. Stay tuned. <laughs>
1: Okay, from The Washington Post, former President Donald Trump refused to say whether he'll commit to backing the 2024 GOP presidential candidate if it's not him, injecting uncertainty into Republican hopes of reclaiming the White House next year. Trump told conservative radio host Hugh Hewitt in a radio interview Thursday, it would have to depend on who the nominee was. Trump is the only top Republican who has officially launched a 2024 presidential campaign.
0: But as we know, February 15th, uh, Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor, has said, she has a big announcement, and I think we know what it is. So uh, we can say there are probably two at this point. Uh, Bill Barr, by the way, Jill, he's the former attorney general that served during the Trump administration. Uh, he called these Trump tactics extortion in an interview last year, saying, what other great leader has done this, telling the party, if it's not me, I'm going to ruin your election chances by telling my base to stay home. I'll sabotage whoever you nominate other than me. It shows he's all about himself. So there's a lot of Republicans being like, dude, seriously, but... This is to be expected, uh, this level of uncertainty, especially around Trump. It's something he's done now for a couple cycles. So we'll have Haley announcing on February 15th. uh, Trump was asked about that on the same show he made those other comments on. Trump told the host that I told her that she should follow her heart. This is his conversation with Haley, uh, even though Haley had told him numerous times, and she said this publicly, that she would not run against him. Trump adding, but she's a very ambitious person. She just couldn't stay in her seat. So the back and forth has begun there. Jill, two other uh, quick political mentions for you. We learned yesterday that Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Trump's former press secretary, and now a governor, is set to deliver the Republican response to Biden's State of the Union address next Tuesday night. Uh, Typically, you might be familiar with this. You might not because you probably tune out at this point. But the other party that's not in charge gets like a 10-minute rebuttal to the President's State of the Union. It's a job with no real win here, but it's usually a way to showcase kind of a rising talent in your party. So when it was Trump, Democrats had the response. In this case, you know, Biden gives the speech. The networks will hand about 10 minutes of time after the State of the Union to the other party. And we will hear from Sarah Sanders somewhere around 10.30 p.m. on Tuesday night, if you're tuned in.
1: And also your daily classified records update. We need a
0: sound effect. (laughs) We need a sound effect. The Daily Glass. Oh, that's good, actually. Drip. Drop. Drip.
1: Drop. The FBI expected to search former Vice President Mike Pence's house in Indiana and office in Washington for additional classified materials soon. His reps found some last month. Pence is cooperating and says that he'll let them in. They're not going to need a search warrant like they needed for former President Trump at Mar-a-Lago. The Pence team does not believe, though, that there are classified documents either at his home or at his office.
0: (laughs) Or so we think. How many times have we told that already? We think we got all the classified documents, uh, but we had that extra FBI search of Biden's place. And now they're going to head over to Indiana. So let's see what they come up with.
1: Okay, on to some business news from the Wall Street Journal. Apple sales shrink as pandemic rally ends for tech giants. The iPhone maker announced its first quarterly revenue decline in nearly four years as manufacturing disruptions in China curbed its ability to deliver premium iPhones. Apple is facing an uphill battle as it plans to shift its production out of China, but it has been difficult to replicate Foxconn's iPhone City. Foxconn is the company that does the manufacturing there uh, for Apple. So far, by the way, Apple has managed to avoid the layoffs that have been ripping through the corporate ranks of its technology peers. The company hired at a slower pace during the pandemic than some of the other tech giants. And CEO Tim Cook says that layoffs are a last resort.
0: Yeah, they might be the only tech company, Jill. I mean, as we put this list together of all the tech companies that hasn't done layoffs yet uh the big issue as you mentioned was china the lockdowns there uh were a major issue and in fact cook said if it wasn't for the issues in china they would have grown revenue this quarter they produce right now 90 percent of their devices in china uh, and apparently that accounts for the lack of production there four billion dollars in lost sales last year Uh, But because of what's been going on there, they are looking to Vietnam, India, some other places, but it's gonna take them a while, if ever, for them to replicate uh, that production ability. Apple's results came the same day that Amazon reported just moderate growth in its online shopping and cloud computing businesses. And we also heard from Google parent Alphabet, which said it was hit by a broad slowdown in the digital ad market. So we're seeing here the impact of 2022 in some of these earnings numbers we're now getting.
1: For Axios to look at the priciest cities, how much you're getting squeezed by inflation depends entirely on your zip code. The Miami, Phoenix, Seattle, and Atlanta metro areas had the highest annual inflation rate increases as of December 2022, according to the latest government data. Rising housing costs and increased energy prices are driving inflation in those areas, In Miami, which also saw the largest inbound population increase from before the pandemic of any metro area, inflation has hit locals particularly hard, especially those who aren't in high-paying sectors like technology, finance, or law.
0: So rent in Phoenix was reportedly up nearly 22% in December 2022 over the previous December. Miami rent was up nearly 19% year over year. But what goes up will come down a bit. Relief could be on the way for some regions, including Phoenix, Seattle, and Atlanta, due to the rapid turnaround from the hot housing market. So they are starting to see those prices gradually start to come down there. But sorry to all of you who live in the 305. Inflation is still rising in the Miami area. Uh, And, you know, we'll include here Fort Lauderdale, Broward County, because the housing market down there is still holding up. People are still headed down there. And Jill, staying with housing here for a second. Yesterday, for the first time since September, the national uh, 30 year mortgage rate started with a five instead of a six. So starting to dip just a bit. And so that is uh, giving brokers and people in the housing market a bit of optimism that uh, there was just a very slight dip in the uh, fall And uh, housing sales will be hotter as we head into buying season.
1: From Entertainment Weekly, a bit of a Grammy preview. This year's show will be at LA's Crypto.com Arena. Remember them. They air on CBS at 8 p.m. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't renamed it yet, huh? And I think they still have FTX Arena in Miami. There's a bunch of arenas for sale, folks, if you want some sponsorship rights.
1: Um, anyway, the Grammys air uh, on CBS at 8 p.m. Trevor Noah is going to be hosting for the third time ever. One thing to note as of last September, the Recording Academy brought in nearly 2,000 new voters. A considerable portion of them are female and non-white as a way to diversify its ranks. Slated performers include Bad Bunny, Harry Styles, Mary J. Blige, Lizzo, Luke Combs, and Sam Smith, But most, the big question is, uh, is anybody going to watch? Ratings for 2022 were pretty weak, only slightly up from the record low that we had in 2021.
0: Yeah, it wasn't so long ago, even like a decade ago. I mean, I I worked at CBS for for years, Jill, where, you know, CBS... Would always have the rights of the Grammys, and they could always depend on 20, 30 plus million people watching the ceremony. And there's just this ultimate collapse of all the award shows. You know, people are kind of tracking it, watching, you know, clips on Twitter or YouTube, et cetera, and just not tuning into these shows anymore. That is a pretty good musical lineup. So, you know, I'll I'll be tuned in on Sunday night. Let's see about the rest of you. For those of you who are watching, Album of the Year uh, will be a big thing to watch. The nominees include Adele, Bad Bunny, Beyonce, Brandy Carlisle, Coldplay, Harry Styles, Kendrick Lamar, Lizzo, Mary J. Blige. Pretty good lineup there, <laughs> it right? It feels like you're doing you know, like the promo. Like on the announcer? Yeah, like yeah.
1: we've got bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've got coming, coming up, up. Later, after the break uh, listen for those of you who are uh, handling the 2024 grammys i'm available and i'm happy to read Liza with more oomph mary j blige
1: <laughs> it is the performance to watch the
0: performance up. of the night we will make you stick yes. around till 10:55 20- eastern time for the thing you care about well entertainment <laughs> <laughs> okay. I never that,
1: feel <laughs> by the way. I the oldest I ever feel is watching yeah. the Grammys because right. I'm like, who are these people? It's too many, there's too many lights. Like, can you keep it down? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's a gradual, there's a gradual transition, Jill, because there's the MTV Awards, which like you <laughs> definitely are plugged into. Well, like, like we definitely like when it was the 90s, like you and I would watch the MTV awards. We didn't know each other at the time, but I imagine we were each one of the MTV awards and we we're like, we knew like Britney Spears and like the Spice girls and whatever and like our parents were like who are these people like oh what happened to our music angle but humperdink you know whatever and then at some point you outgrow the mtv awards and you and you you know you basically mature into the grammys but then you know when you're old when the grammy performers are too old (laughs) too young for you and you're like who are these people (sighs) so anyway here i'll read the rest of the script uh because you noted that entertainment weekly is talking about album of the year and they believe it is beyonce's to lose She is tied for the most nominations of all time with her husband, Jay-Z, and she's been up for this category five times before and lost. So we will see if she'll be able to pull it off against uh, Bad Bunny, against Harry Styles. Uh, Harry Styles, of course, you've, you've probably heard the ubiquitous as it was on the radio and on TikTok for the last year. What's also interesting here, Jill, is this album of the year category is a repeat of 2017 when it was also Adele versus Beyonce. That year, Adele won it. And in her speech getting the award, she said, quote, I'm very humbled and very grateful, but the artist of my life is Beyonce. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, she's able to finally get it this year.
1: Beyonce is already the winningest woman in Grammy history. She's got 28 awards. She needs just three more Grammys to match and four to beat the record for the most overall wins. That is a position currently held by the conductor, George Salty. He died in 1997.
0: Yeah, I didn't know much about George Salty. Uh, He's a classical conductor, Jill. But uh, when I saw this in the script, Googled him a little bit. So he was crushing it for classical conduction uh, in the Grammys back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s. And he's got a really compelling personal story. He was a Hungarian Jew who escaped the Holocaust to Switzerland. (laughs) All right, now this brings us to On This Day in History for this February 3rd. I'll begin in 1870. The 15th Amendment granting voting rights to black men in America was adopted into the U.S. Constitution on this day, 153 years ago. Despite the amendment, though, in 1870, within a few years, there were numerous uh, what they called Jim Crow laws that discriminated against uh, black men at the time and basically limited them from their right to vote. So it wouldn't be until 1965 with the Civil Rights Act that the majority of black men, and of course, by that point, women had the right to vote, finally were able to vote in elections. All right, now to the 20th century. I mentioned it at the top of the podcast. On this day in 1959, rock and roll singers Buddy Holly, Richie Valens and J.P. Richardson, known as the Big Bopper, died in a plane crash when their charter jet went down near Mason City, Iowa on this day, February 3rd, 1959. Buddy Holly was only 22 years old at the time, but is still uh, known and recognized as a rock legend. Those deaths were immortalized in Don McLean's The Day the Music Died. And, of course, Richie Valens' story is told in the film La Bamba, if you've ever seen La Bamba. All right, a couple birthday mentions here. Jill Nathan Lane, the actor, comedian, 67 years old. Maura Tierney from ER and the Affair, 58 years old. Daddy Yankee, the uh, rapper, 46 years old. You might know him from Gasolina. And Amal Clooney turns 45 years old today.
1: Happy birthday to them.
0: All right, on this day, a piece of morning show history for you, Jill. On this day, 70 years ago, February 3rd, 1953, a chimpanzee named J. Fred Muggs joined the Today Show as a co-host.
1: And you and I still can't get on there?
0: <laughs> apparently. A apparently, has been on? Yeah, it was like a huge thing. Uh, apparently, Walter Cronkite, early on in his career, as CBS was figuring out its morning show, also had like a monkey. Like it was like a thing in the 50s, like bring on animals as like pseudo hosts or like companions. All right. And then two pieces of music news before we move on to Cheers to the Freaking Weekend. On this day, 50 years ago. Crocodile Rock by Elton John reached number one on the Billboard charts. Joe, I think Elton is still on a goodbye tour. He's been doing like a bunch of goodbye tours for <laughs> the past decade. Like I, feel I think like, he's like still rocking.
1: It's it's crazy that he's he's going strong um, and yeah. good for him, but it's it's wild. And I feel like I saw him ten years ago, and I remember thinking, this may be his last. <laughs> His last, like one (laughs) of his last performances.
0: Ellen keeps rocking. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. The Yellow Brick Road never ends, apparently. And one final piece of musical history for you on this day, 22 years ago, Shaggy, it wasn't me, reached number one on the charts
1: <laughs> <laughs> my husband and i actually sing that to each other it not in that context of shaggy songs but like if i'm like did you did you have the last uh you know pretzel or whatever it wasn't me <laughs> however the song
0: <laughs> like, like we were talking on the instagram feed about how like flow rider rocked like the 2007 to like 2015 era i feel like the era just preceding that was like partially the shaggy era From like 98 to 06, like Shaggy was just like, you couldn't not, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing a Shaggy song. And what Uh, was similar
1: to Flo Rida is that they were all just such feel good songs. Like you can't help but get happy when you hear them.
0: Shaggy, shaggy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now let's head to Cheers to the Freaking Weekend. Uh, We'll begin now with what we're watching. Jill, you have the floor.
1: I hate to be totally lame because we've discussed it, but the Grammys, that's genuinely what I'm going to be watching.
0: So we know what Jill's doing Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, Jill, as far as what I'm watching, I actually just went to a screening last night of Pamela, a love story. This is the Pamela Anderson documentary that hit Netflix this week. Uh, And she actually did a, a live interview at this event in New York City last night as part of the rollout. And it's really fascinating because you realize that you have never really heard her story and just, and you see in the documentary just how many people took advantage of her. You know, she was a victim of abuse as a child, what she dealt with with her husband, Tommy Lee, um, how the media mistreated her, just the abject misogyny she dealt with. And what's really incredible in the documentary is they play these clips that are so cringe today of Leno, Letterman, Lauer, like asking about her implants, asking about her body, like live interviews in front of studio audiences. And you're like, oh, my God, that was the culture in this country just 25 years ago.
1: Look, we've talked about it before when we talked about Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton and and what happened with Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. So much has changed culturally. Um, But I'm also kind of giggling to myself just because yesterday you had asked me to do the podcast early. And so okay. I, I basically, whenever you need to do it early, I know you've got something that evening and I just be, I wait and I go on not even your Instagram, but Alex's. And I'm like, yep. Okay. <laughs> they had a screening, a screening for Pamela.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, for everyone listening, we try to accommodate each other's needs. Of
1: course. By the way, I love possible. when we do it early. I just, I don't even <laughs> like asking you what you're doing. Not because you wouldn't tell me. Of course you would right. tell me. I just yeah. think it's fun to kind of go on your Instagram and figure it out. Sometimes it's cryptic. You know, Alex will post a restaurant picture or something. I'm like, mm-hmm,
0: hmm they, they had dinner plans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jill like asked to do it because she's like, my babysitter like didn't come. Like I need to record early. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: Or it's just, you know, and parents will appreciate this, the never ending bedtimes where I have to just quickly run out and message Moshe like, I need 15 more minutes. I need 15 more minutes. 15, (laughs) you know, they never end.
0: They never end. At some point, your daughter Alex will probably join the podcast if she doesn't cooperate with uh, bedtime one of these days.
1: Exactly. All right. What are we reading this weekend?
0: So, Jill, I mentioned uh, our new sponsor this week, Blinkist. They're essentially Cliff's Notes audio Cliff's Notes for books. So I keep seeing, like, it's ubiquitous. I'm like, ubiquitous is my word of the day, by the way, everybody, apparently. Uh, the book Atomic Habits that everyone on Instagram seems to be talking about. It's a practical guide on how to change your habits and get 1% better every day. There's always the self-help books, Jill, that I see at the airport and places or social media. And I'm like, I should really read those. So I'm listening to it on the uh, Blinkist app right now.
1: I feel like the way to get 1% better every day would be to cut back on social media use by 1% every day.
0: I completely agree. It's a professional issue for me, though. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to. I would love to. And maybe I'll post one less Instagram post and see, you know, when you guys tell me there's two two little things, too few things there. But anyway, yeah, social media takes a toll. It really does.
1: And that's kind of in line with what I'm going to be reading. Mine is an essay from The Atlantic. It's called We've Lost the Plot. Our constant need for entertainment has blurred the line between fiction and reality on television, in American politics and in our everyday lives. I read the very beginning of the essay and it talks about how there's this new trend on TikTok. Like, you know, everything. It started as a trend on TikTok Mm -hmm. where you basically have people through their ring cameras Um, saying to delivery people, making them dance for them. Oh my God. (laughs) And then posting it on social media. And it's just like, we are living in a dystopian society at this point.
0: People have noted that, you know, like, you know, when is virtual reality or when is AI, augmented reality, AR really going to take hold? And like, we sort of already live in that space with this whole ring thing you you brought up and, and other things that we do That We sort of already live in augmented reality where like if you walk around, like suddenly you see a group of people in the middle of a square, like in front of a camera doing a TikTok dance. And you're like, we've already started to like meld the digital in the real life. So um, Jill, I, I may read that as well this weekend. We'll link to it in the show notes. All right, Jill, we did watching, reading. What are you eating this weekend?
1: I'm going to be eating what I've affectionately nicknamed breakfast cookies it's basically a way to just trick my daughter into thinking that she's eating cookies for (laughs) breakfast
0: (laughs) what Um, are these what what are these breakfast cookies you speak of
1: (laughs) okay so i take oatmeal any kind you can use i like bob's red mill rolled oats a big thanks to alex your wife for that recommendation i mix it with very very ripe bananas a dash of vanilla and honey and a few chocolate chips. And you you basically turn them into cookies mm-hmm. and you cook them for 15 minutes at 350 degrees. It's, it's like cooked oatmeal. And the only thing really bad, if you want to say bad is some chocolate chips and it's, Delish.
0: Well, Jill, you've been part of this podcast long enough. It's probably all bad for you at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Funny you say that. Alex posted something about how oatmeal isn't so good for you anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Alex, I, I have one parenting <laughs> hack in my life. It is to get my daughter to eat these oatmeal cookies.
0: You mean, aka breakfast cookies. Exactly. Breakfast cookies. All right. <laughs> Jill, I've been snacking on these uh, FitJoy grain-free pretzels. Uh, Alex has uh, got me into them. They're actually pretty addicting. So um, I may uh, I may pull those out when I uh, watch the Grammys on Sunday night. <laughs>
1: Chomp chomp, yes yeah, so or no? <laughs> <laughs> nothing like crunching.
0: All right, with that, we want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News podcast this week. We had six editions for you. We had the uh, daily editions, including today. We had the interview with Jill Schlesinger, uh, all things financial advice. So definitely check that out. I think that popped in the in the Tuesday feed. If you haven't listened to it already this week, please make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us, uh, and leave us a review so we can continue to grow. Every review really helps helps us continue to grow this account believe it or not so we appreciate it
1: and don't forget to follow mosh on instagram at m-o-s-h-e-h
0: and make sure to also follow jill on instagram at jill r wagner we got to give her the pitch this Friday. oh
1: my gosh (laughs) mosh thank you
0: (laughs) no no problem jill but guess what the pressure's on for you to post this weekend if we're pitching (laughs) the instagram (laughs) account Now, now, yeah, you gotta, now I'm
1: going to have to step it up.
0: Now you're going to have to post a few things. Yes. Some honest <laughs> days or some articles or um, some live coverage of, I don't know, of the breakfast cookies.
1: I will post my breakfast cookies. How about that?
0: Awesome. All right, everyone. We'll see you on Monday.
1: All right. Bye.